This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. I had the privilege of being in the room when all of my sons were born. My wife, she was also there, <laughs> which I thought was convenient. It was a magical moment, a crazy moment. Uh, lights and sounds and kinds of moment, an immersive experience. And I remember specifically, this was, this was, this was uh, Lucas, who was my firstborn. He's, right before he's about to be born, my mother-in-law, she was also there, and she, she grabs a hold of my arm and says, are you ready? I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. And he's born and do that part. Wasn't ready for that. And then the attendant took Lucas and put him on this like incubator, bread warmer kind of platform. And she's beginning to, you know, clean out his ears, put salve in his eyes and clean out his nose. And I says, Dad, come on over. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, like, it's getting real now. This is like the thing, right? Like, ah. He said, here, put your hand right here, right here on his little chest. It's just going up and down. You can feel the heart just going crazy. Up and down, up and down. She's taking him down, and she's wiping and they're attending to my wife, and they're taking care of her. And I'm here, and I'm looking at this little California raisin. And I'm just, my hand's... And there's this, there was this magical moment where his eyes and my eyes kind of, kind of met. And he pees on me. <laughs> and I realized in that moment that something from... And he's the one who's playing bass today. That's the only time he's ever done that. But I realized in that moment, something from the outside of my life had come into my life and had completely changed my life. And there's not too many times that happens in such an abrupt, great, huge, tremendous way. Something from outside of my experience in my life had now been thrust into my life. And it completely changed my life. All the feelings and emotions and thoughts. and Is there a word for that? Is there a word for that place? That, 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 that sacred space? It, it seems like no matter what word you pick, it, it fails. And you've had those experiences and other experiences like that where, where something has been thrust upon you and, and it just it changes you and it alters you and your, your life is now different. And you're walking in this space now. Is there a word for that? When Jesus bursts in and is birthed in 
to our awareness, our reality, our, our understanding of the world around us. When, when Jesus comes in and all that he is, and this, this holy other from the outside of my life comes into my life and completely changes my life, What do you call that, that space? I think we need to understand that. And the Bible does speak to it. But we need to be able to speak about it correctly. Because we have a habit. All, all faith streams have a habit. And American Christianity in general has a greater habit of putting ourselves in the center of faith. I got saved. I found Jesus. But the Bible would attest to the fact that who's in the center? I am not in the center. Am I a part of? I'm a part of it, but I am not the center of it. But to have a way of talking about this sacred space, this life Altering, changing, yielding, awe-inspiring, silence-saturated place is what I want to lead us in today. I want to talk about something that there aren't any words for. I want to try to put some shape to something that the Bible says you're going to fail. But it's a means by which we participate in what we call the Christian life. Last week, we began a series in the book of Proverbs. I brought to our attention the fact that we know where we are. But Jesus seems to offer us something abundant. Something that's wholly other. Overflowing. Uncommon. And we can oftentimes live in the tension of where I am and the life that Jesus offers and visions for me. And how do I get from here to here? Well, there, that, that's a huge space. And the way the book of Proverbs articulates this way of wisdom is a life of discipline and discerning and following that leads to the flourishing life. You can take other paths, can't you? Certainly, you can take other paths. But they do not lead to the flourishing life that God offers and God gives. They lead to a failed life. And then I introduced last week where we would start this week. Step one. So if you have uh, a Bible or maybe you're using these Proverbs journals that we have uh, out front, and that's what I'm going to be speaking from today. So I just want to show you how, how you can kind of use it and incorporate it on your journey. It says in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the first step. This is what I want to, to, to drill down on this morning. What is it, this, this, this fear of the Lord, this, this first pavement, this first location that moves me down the path of wisdom and a life of flourishing? 
This is the best way, the biblical way of understanding living responsibly and appropriately before God. And so Proverbs chapter 2 is going to take us on this journey together. So if you're using one of these, or uh, we're going to be starting on page 10 in your journal. You can follow along up on the screen. Ryan will move you through, or maybe you brought your copy of the Bible. Uh, there's also copies in the seats in front of you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through Proverbs chapter 2 to help us get into this first step. I'm going to read through it once, then I'm going to go through and help us chunk it a little bit because it it can be a little long and kind of hard to swallow all at once. And then I'm going to read through it a second time and we'll work through it together. So Proverbs chapter 2, if you're following along online or you're here, um, page 10 and these little blue books. Let me read for you. My son... If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the evil way, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked, who's devious in their ways. So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Some have a, say that chapter 2, oh, the second message in this long section, serves as a summary in many ways of what the book of Proverbs wants to do for all of us. So to help me understand it, I kind of went through and said, hey, let me understand, let me see it in chunks. And so verse 1 through verse 5, I saw, kind of has one idea behind it. So I took a line and I drew it between line verse 5 and verse 6, just to help me understand that there's one particular thing there that I want to get that might be helpful for you. And then there's another chunk. It's verses 6 to 11. And so I drew it kind of a little bit of a line between 11 and 12 to help me understand that there's a chunk there that I need to get. Then it talks about being delivered from two particular types of people. And so that was verses 12 down through verse 19. So I I drew a little line to help me understand, all right, what's going on in that part? And verses 20, 21, and 22 is really a summary of everything that comes ahead of it. So with that in mind, those chunks in front of me, 
I'm going to read through it one more time. Just to help me get the lay of the land. And what wisdom is saying and what the fear of the Lord is all about. Again, from the beginning. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you'll understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you'll walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. There's a lot there. There's a lot of content. We covered a a lot of real estate. So in your notes, what I did off to the side uh, was I kind of listed some key words that might help us in understanding all that this message has to offer. And so you might want to have that nearby because so I think there's different parts of, of this message in chapter 2 that, that zero in on these key words. Where do we start? Where do you start? I think we need to start in verse 6. Because verse 6 says this, For the Lord. For means what comes before. And so it comes before everything that was ahead of it. For the Lord. It starts with who and what God is. And so next to that, I put revelation. I wrote down revelation next to verse 6. And maybe that will be helpful for you as you're taking notes with us this morning. This is, after all, the fear of the Lord. Moses sees a burning bush up on the mountain and he goes up to it. Why? Because the God, God first reveals himself to Moses. Mary and Joseph, before they go off on their journey of faith, God first reveals himself to them and makes himself known through the message of the angel. 
Peter out in the fishing boat. Before he follows Jesus, Jesus first reveals himself and says, come, follow me. It starts with God. The good path always starts with God. Who is God? What is God? What has God said? What has God asked of me? Our temptation is to put ourselves in the center. I found Jesus, my faith, my walk, my choice. What do I want to do for the Lord? You are here because he has revealed himself to you. He has made himself known to you. Even the slightest sliver of a light beam, enough to arrest your attention, to roll you out of bed, and to bring you to this place, God first. But from that revelation, what? For the Lord, now I need to go back up and pick up the beginning of the chapter. For the Lord, what? My son, if you receive, verse 1, my words, treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. I wrote next to this section, I wrote down the word response. Response. God reveals himself and I am to respond correctly, appropriately, immersively. You just, you go through this. If I, what, receive it. Makes me think of my hands. Treasure it up. I make my ear attentive. I incline my heart to understand. Call out using my voice. Seek it like silver. Search for it as hidden treasure. If then this, a full engagement, not a little bit kind of engagement, not a convenient kind of engagement, something that alters my attention. When, when my sons were born, something had happened that altered now my reality. I had a responsibility to respond in kind. But that's what mothers and fathers do, right? Everything about my life has changed now. I have this little one. I have this second little one. I have this third little one. My life has changed now. I need to respond to it completely Holy, fully. God reveals himself. I need to respond with my eyes. I respond with my heart. I respond with my mind. I respond with what I do with my hands. I I respond with what I'm seeking for and what I'm searching for. Have you ever really lost something? I mean, really lost something you really need to have? Four wives just looked at their husbands. Like, you need this now. Everything goes on hold, right? Right? 
opening cupboards and you're, you're, you're going through closets and you're overturning shoes and things are scattered everywhere because you have to find this thing. You know there's this thing and you've got to find it. You've got to search for it. That's the type of response that is appropriate for seeking after the revelation of God, a full engagement. If that, then what? Then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord. Four words in the English language, two words in the Hebrew language, one word in its meaning. Fear of the Lord. It's a bound phrase. It comes together. It's all inclusive. You can't take one part out and help you understand it. I say that because you might already be tripping on the word fear. Like, I, I, I'm not supposed to fear God. We're not supposed to fear God. I'm not afraid of God. We're not supposed to be afraid of God. 138 times throughout scriptures, you are called to the fear of the Lord. I, I would challenge you. Take just this book over the course of this week and go through and read through the book of Proverbs. Circle, identify, find every single time fear God or fear of the Lord is listed. With it comes life. With it comes honor. With it comes blessing. With it all the abundance that you're looking for in the vision of life that Jesus has set before you. It's a bound phrase, which is helpful because it means to live life bound up in God. Where my feelings and my behaviors are fused with God and who he is and what he is. That is the Christian life. I now live differently. I'm consumed by the reality of God and what Christ has done. This is what it means. But I know, you keep tripping on the word fear, don't you? The fear of the Lord, as Eugene Peterson says it, is fear with the scary part taken away. The fear of the Lord is fear with the scary part taken away. Living in awareness of the Holy Other One. In his book, a book I would encourage everyone to get, this is Eugene Peterson's text, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. I want to read just a little bit for you because he says it better than anybody. Fear of the Lord. It's the best term we have to point to this way of life we cultivate as Christians. The Christian life consists mostly of what God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is and does. We also are part of it, not the largest part, but we're still part. A world has been opened up to us by revelation in which we find ourselves walking on holy ground and living in sacred time. The moment we realize this, we feel shy and cautious. We slow down. We look around, eyes, ears alert. 
Like lost children happening on a clearing in the woods and finding elves and fairies singing and dancing in a circle around a prancing two-foot-high unicorn. We stop in odd silence to accommodate to this wonderful but unguessed-at revelation. But for us, it isn't a unicorn. It isn't elves. It's Sinai. It's Tabor. It's Golgotha. Those are the mountains where God reveals himself. The moment we find ourselves unexpectedly in the presence of the sacred, our first response is to stop in silence. We do nothing. We say nothing. We fear to trespass inadvertently, and we're afraid of saying something inappropriate. Plunged into mystery, we become still, and we fall silent. All our senses are alert. This is the fear of the Lord. It calls for a thinking about what you're thinking about. What do I think about when I'm thinking about the cross? Does it burst into your reality and and, and harness from you a humility and a silence? Cognitively, the, the wheels are spinning. All right, let me get this straight. God has come down and bore upon himself all that is evil and wrong and unjust and all that is violent humanity, corporately and individually, And then bound himself in love to call upon me and invite me into this life. I mean, I was freaking out when Lucas was born, right? Now all of a sudden the cross bursts into my reality. And the story that comes along with it of treason and promise And hope. The just response would then be. And I search for it. And I seek it. And I call for it. And I I grasp it. I listen. It's the revelation that leads to this response. This way of life, living in light of all that that is. And you're right, there is no word for it. It's, it's futile. But the Bible says, let's do this. Fear of the Lord. The Lord, the big part. And his revelation and my fear, this awe-filled, mysterious, tremendous wondering at all that he is. This is the beginning of the wise life. The life of breathing God. It's the, the best phrase that I've bumped into, of breathing in 
God. I'm breathing all the time. Am I not? It's the hallmark of life. Yes. Breathing. And my hand on Lucas's chest when he was born. Breathing. I walked in the door. I was breathing. I sit down to lunch. Breathing. Go to work. Breathing. I wake up in the morning. Breathing. It, it defines and saturates all that I am. This the reception in to walk in wisdom to walk in the fear of the Lord as now all of that is done with the awareness of God's presence I'm breathing in God I walk in the building I'm breathing in God I sit at lunch I'm breathing in God I'm talking to a friend I'm breathing in God mindfully aware cognitively in awe of who and what God is and what he has done. I'm searching and I'm seeking and I'm finding him. As, as the book says, dancing in 10,000 places. Hmm. The fear of the Lord. This exchange of revelation that leads to a, a response. What was the most common response to the resurrected Jesus? If you go back and you read the Gospels, when Jesus shows up, resurrected, what's the most common response? Holy cow! Right? And in that moment, the, the silence and the awe and, the, and the, the mystery and the trying to wrap your head around experience of, there's Jesus. And so following Jesus is to be that. And living in that space. This fear of the Lord, the revelation of God that leads to the appropriate response of God. But the passage goes on. The hard part about talking something that there aren't words to talk about means you end up talking too much. I'll read verse 9, 10, and 11. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. So I have a revelation, leads to a response. Here's the result. So next to, next to this part, I wrote down the word results. This is what happens when I walk in fear of the Lord. The first result is wisdom. I receive wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity. Those three go together. Every good path. Remember last week I talked about this trinity of phrases, righteousness, justice, and equity. When those three words come together, it's the Bible's way of saying this is reality when everything is whole underneath the rule of God. When things are the way that they're supposed to be, you experience righteousness, justice, equity. It's me living within, my part within the greater whole. But he also says, Every good path. Man, that phrase, it just tripped me up all week. Every good path. Yeah. My sons, teenagers, we're moving into another level of adulthood reality where we're starting to pick paths. 
Do I go down this path? Do I go down the college path? Do I go down uh, the artisan path? Do I go down this path or this path? And it can be, that's overwhelming, right? And I put my hand on my son's shoulder and says, hey, there are good paths. He will lead you down good paths. It's not your job to walk down my path. It's my job to walk down my path. It's Harry's job to walk down Harry's path. It's Stephanie's job to walk down Stephanie's path. It's Dan's job to walk down Dan's path. And God will lead you down every good path. He gives you wisdom. My place within the greater part. For wisdom will come into your heart, verse 10, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So it's not just that I get wisdom, now I have a hunger for wisdom. Uh, Watching uh, some younger people in the faith, I love it. Because they they get a taste for it. And then then they want a little bit more. And then they want a little bit more. And they pastor, I read this. I read this. Then I read this. I couldn't put it down. And I read this. And I read this. It's like someone puts this, this beautiful dish in front of you and the smells just completely saturate your experience. And, and you taste it and you're like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. And you, you want to taste some more and you want to taste some more. It, it's, there seems to be this transformative aspect to this journey where as I go down the path, it leads me to go down the path more. It calls me forward. Lady Wisdom says, come on, this is good. This is the good path. I hunger for it more. So underneath the results, I put down well, wisdom, and then I put down hunger. I, I hunger for more wisdom. And then rescue. He rescues me. Discretion watches over. Understanding guards you. Rescues in two specific ways. Rescue generally, but also rescue particularly. As he says in verse 12, delivering you from the evil way. And then in verse 16, you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman. This this was written, audience-wise, from a father to a son. So there are particular temptations that a young man's going to bump into. And the father says, hey, watch out for the forbidden woman. The strange woman. She will call you. She will invite you. She will tempt you. Now, some of you are like, that's not very tempting to me. No, but there are things that are tempting to you, aren't there? There are things that are alluring to you, aren't there? There are things that whisper and beckon and call. And they are subtle and they are sweet. But wisdom has this transformative aspect of helping me discern my path amongst the whole and hearing the voice of God amongst all the other voices. And these voices are going to come back throughout the book of Proverbs. And again and again and again, the Father will say, watch out for that voice and watch out for that voice and watch out for that voice. And I have found in my experience of just walking alongside of my sons, just knowing the language of that there are voices that call and tempt and lure is very empowering in their own victory and walking with Christ. The revelation 
that leads to a response that has a result culminating in what? A promise. Verses 20, 21 and 22. I wrote down the word promise because this is what it says. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Sounds a lot like Psalm 1 in the background. This was probably written after exile, meaning after Israel had lost the land. They'd lost the promise because of disobedience and not following, because of not of walking in the fear of the Lord. This message was probably compiled, and, and the scrolls of Proverbs were probably compiled after that time. And so that story is in the background. So when he says, hey, the upright inherit the land, those of integrity remain in it, the whole example of national tragedy is whispering in the background. Because remember what happened when we didn't? But to those who walk in the fear of the Lord, there's the land of promise. Because every path has a destiny. And God puts flourishing in front of us. So if I were to if I were to draw this, because that, sometimes that helps me from a learning perspective, it might look something like this. And maybe you have room on one of those open spaces or in your message guide, in your notes. It probably looks something maybe like this. Where, where does it start? It starts with revelation, right? God reveals himself. God reveals himself for God. He has revealed himself to you. He has shown himself to you. Some of you have seen more. Some of you have experienced more. But all of us, a light has shone. And from Revelation, what? That calls for what? A response. To respond correctly. To respond with all of my heart and all of my mind. To, 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 to seek after and to chase after like this treasure that it is. And if I do that, it says wisdom will come into me. It's this exchange of revelation and response that we call fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. And the results? The results are a few of them, right? Well, one of them is wisdom. Wisdom leads me along the path to the abundant life of flourishing. This wisdom will come in. What? And But more than that, I'll hunger for more wisdom. It's going to move me on. This hunger for wisdom. And there's rescue from the other paths along the way. And this leads me into a deeper and a richer understanding about it. Catapults me forward. Catapults me on into what? More wisdom and more hunger and more rescue until ultimately it leads to what? Promise. For some of you, this is what you're looking for. Because you're stuck. You feel stuck. I know, because you write me notes. You say, Pastor, I feel stuck. I feel stuck. Seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, we watch Wipeout. You guys remember that show, Wipeout? It's an old show. Some of you are like, yeah, right? What's it about? It's great. It's awesome. It's just people wiping out. 
They go through these obstacle courses and they literally get knocked off their tail into the water. And they try to get from A to B, get from A to B, and they're getting punched and they're getting whacked around and they're bouncing on these giant red balls trying to get from here to there. And it's hilarious. I love it. It makes me feel good. No matter what happens in my day, we watch Wipeout, I feel better. I'm that shallow of a person. That's all. These people trying to get through this obstacle course. That's all. And it culminates, if you've never watched it, in this final obstacle course. And it's at night, and there's lights, and there's smoke, and there's fire. And these three, four people have to get through this course as fast as possible. And whoever gets through it the fastest wins $10,000. But it always starts with this catapult. They're literally catapulted into the arena. They are launched from, I don't know, 20, 30 feet in the air, whether it's a cannon or a chair that slides out, and they're just, and I am laughing because I love it. As they go upon this journey, this path that's ahead to them that leads to promise, but it starts with being launched forward. I believe for you, If you feel stuck, press into fear of the Lord. And it will launch you into a faith that there just aren't words for it. At the end of Luke, I want to show you the fear of the Lord in, in narrative, in, in story, as we come together. In Luke chapter 24, it's the very end of the book. Jesus had just appeared to a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. They've been walking along, wondering at all that had happened in Jerusalem. And they don't realize that now Jesus is walking alongside of them, encourages come along. And then Jesus, uh, in the evening, shares the Lord's table communion with them. And in that moment, they realize that Jesus is amongst them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus disappears. They're like freaking out. And so they run back to Jerusalem. We got to tell everyone that we just saw the risen Jesus in communion. And, and he was there. And so they when they find Pete and they find Andy and they find all of them. Like, hey, you're not going to believe this. We just bumped into Jesus. Like alive and walking around and he ate with us. And he told us the story. And it was awesome. This is how that story continues, verse 36 of Luke 24. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. And he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a little funny. I mean, if you think about it, it's a, I mean, Jesus knows what he's about to do. He knows he's going to freak them out, right? They're not looking for this. He walks in, peace. Ah! He's like, <laughs> just, sorry guys, I just had to do it. <laughs> Peace. And they, they what, what's the response? The response is fear. Fear with the scared part still there. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands, my feet. It's I myself. Touch me, see. A spirit doesn't have flesh, bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, they're still freaking out, he said to them, hey, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate before them. He's revealing himself. 
He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power on high. Revelation. And he led them out as far as Bethany. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. The response. They worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple blessing God. Letting the gospel completely amaze us. Meditating on, thinking on, seeking on, chasing after the gospel and letting it lead us to a place of silence and awe, a place of searching and letting the wisdom of God come into us and guide us and give us a hunger. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's my invitation to you this week. Artists, would you come up and help us, help us do this? And as they're coming up, I want to read again this passage that I had Jason read. And would you stand, please? This is Psalms 34, 1 through 11. Fear of the Lord, I showed you in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord in narrative. This is the fear of the Lord as worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. And he answered me. And delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. For this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him. And saved him out of his troubles. I like that line a lot. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The long, young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord.
I will bless the Lord all of my days. As he reveals himself to you, has revealed himself to you, follow him. Jesus says, come, my children. Father, your favor rests here. Spirit, help us in this space. Stay focused upon Jesus and off of ourselves. No matter what path we've been down, no matter what path we're on now, today, this moment, we decide, we follow you. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. 